Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It's so great to have you here with us on this Friday. My name is JJ Jackson. I'm the host of this podcast. We are a live daily show each and every day that you can listen to for all the latest Duke Blue Devils athletics news. Today's show is brought to you in part by our friends over at Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. It's a five star Friday. We've got five star shout outs to give for folks who have left reviews on the Apple Podcast platform. So grateful for that. Also, make sure you take an opportunity to subscribe and follow Lockdown Blue Devils on YouTube so you can watch the show daily each and every day. On today's show, I'm so thrilled because my colleague Steve Wiseman, a good friend of mine from the Raleigh News and Observer and Durham Herald Sun, is back here with us to talk a little Duke football. Steve, the time is always greatly appreciated. And as we've been discussing, we actually have results now to talk about in the athletics world as opposed to the summertime full of uh, speculation and different topics. We do, and it's been a heck of a start for Duke football for sure. I mean, I think, you know, we, we thought maybe Temple they could handle uh, given what the new coaching situation there and everything. Uh, Northwestern was kind of a surprise, to be honest with you, because they had gone over to, to, uh, to Ireland and taken care of Nebraska, which, you know, as it turned out, is a very good team. Scott Frost has paid the price for that. But still, it was a conference game. It wasn't, a, you know, a game against an FCS team or something, and they, they won that game. And so uh, – Duke going on the road and coming out with that victory, uh, making plays late. The defense wasn't great, uh, but they got the plays done when they needed to. And uh, uh, they're 2-0 and going into the next game here with NCAT, which FCS team we just mentioned, right? So that's a game Duke should win. They have a chance to be 3-0 and going into the next weekend at Kansas. So I think this is um, – I'm sure this has exceeded everybody's expectations so far. Uh, maybe even Mike Elko. I mean, you know, he, you want for the best, but – you have to know about reality, too. He's taken over a program that was pretty bad the last two years. Yeah, really fun to kind of think about what this team's been able to do already through two weeks. I mean, you can't get much better than the first game of the season when you shut out an opponent, right? You set the bar really high defensively when that takes place. And I want to get to the defense in just a little bit. But our biggest question going into the year when you're looking at on the field, what is this Duke team going to look like? It's quarterback, Steve. We talked about it here on this very show together. Uh, it's kind of been a rotating door over the last few seasons as to who's taking the snaps at QB for Duke. It's been Riley Leonard, and I've been unbelievably impressed with what we've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, he's the fifth starting quarterback in five years for Duke, so that's oh. usually not that's not what you want. You want to have right. some it's continuity. But, uh, no, he, he looks – he looks pretty smooth back there. He's pulled down and run the ball, you know, when he's had to. Uh, number one, most important thing is he's protected the ball. There's only been one interception that was uh, in the end zone, passed to Eli Pankle, which frankly bounced off Eli's yeah. hands and helmet. And he admits he should have made the catch. So that was not on Riley. I think it was right there. And, uh, you know, there's nothing he could do about that. So, again, consider what we saw the last two years with turnovers. This is this has been an impressive start for, for Riley's. Both games he's come out and been been hot from the very beginning. He completed his first 15 passes against Temple, which is one off of the school record for consecutive completed passes. And then against uh, Northwestern, you know, he came out and was really strong at the beginning again. Touchdowns on the first three, 
drives. Uh, so yeah, he's again we talked about exceeding expectations. I don't know what more you can expect from a guy who's only started one college game, and that was last year uh, against Virginia Tech when even he admitted now that he didn't have much of the, of the playbook available to him at that point. It was very limited what he could do, and now he's got kind of the whole thing. He you know it's a different playbook, new staff, but but he's got all the tools available and he's taking advantage of them. We get all these spot starts in baseball from time to time, right? And it was like last year, that Virginia Tech game, that's a spot start for Riley Leonard. He wasn't expecting to be in that position. And so now we've gotten to see him have the full playbook uh, available to him with the new staff, by the way, with Kevin Johns coming in at OC and, of course, the new head football coach in Mike Elko. Uh, This team does not have Mateo Durant to hand the ball off to this season, but they've had better play at the quarterback spot already through just two games. This past weekend, you mentioned all the rushing scores to open up the ball game. It's really been a tailback by committee approach from Duke. What have you thought of the ground game? Yeah, and, and you know, Elko keeps saying that that's what it's going to be. They want to have a fresh body in there, which frankly is what, uh, you know, Cutcliffe did a lot of his tenure was they didn't really have one back that caught all the carries until last year with Mateo because obviously, you know, he was so good, right? So you, you do with what you have. But, you know, uh, Jordan Waters started last week and had a really strong game. Uh, the week before that, it was Jalen Coleman, uh, and El- Elko's going to you know kind of alternate those guys throughout the year. I mean, if one guy really shows, you know, he's head and shoulders better than the next one, obviously you'll feed the ball to him. But I don't see that happening. I think they're both they're both pretty good, and uh, uh, it's probably going to continue this way, you know, barring injury or something like that. But um, I can't talk about the running game and then Riley Leonard's passing without talking about the offensive line. Sure, which has really done a heck of a job. I mean, they really. Uh, they have dominated both teams they've played. That was concern going into the Northwestern game because they're a bigger, stronger team than Temple. Duke was bigger than they were. But, uh, you know, Duke more than held their own. Uh, they've kept Riley's, you know, he's been clean. He hasn't been hit very much at all. And uh, uh, that, that's, a, that's, a, that's a huge part of things. And then last week, you know, Jordan Waters had that 42-yard touchdown run where he said, you know, I got the ball and I'm, I'm running toward the hole and I see John Jalot come over and just flatten the guy. And so I cut back, and there's a big hole, and boom, up the middle, he's gone for a touchdown. So that's on the offensive line, right? I mean, they, they've done they've done a great job, and uh, uh, that's a unit that we thought had some experience coming back and, and should be good, but you never know, you know, when they get in there, and uh, uh, they've been very good this year. A really good offensive line unit, as you're saying, and again, that's something that they don't get all the praise. It's so hard to kind of, uh, if you don't really understand what you're looking for, sometimes it's hard to be able to, you know when things go bad, right? But when things are going great, you don't really want to uh, point out what's taking place there on the offensive line. So uh, it is a good thing that you brought them up there in that setting. Pass catching as well uh, for Duke. Again, we've seen the transition from Jordan Moore from quarterback battle to, you know what, I'm just going to be one of the top receivers for this team. When does that ever happen in the sport? And man, he's looked good out there at wide out. And only, you know, he just started playing wide receiver three weeks, you know, uh, three weeks ago, four weeks, you know, a couple weeks in the camp. It wasn't what he did from the beginning. It was playing quarterback. So that's what, you know, again, we've asked the coaches and stuff like, you know, what, what are you seeing out of Jordan? And they're like, we're amazed he's doing this with, the, with just a couple, two, three weeks of, of work at the position. So uh, he, he's such a great athlete. That's the biggest thing. I mean, the play he made against Temple where he caught the ball on the sidelines and made a little move to get around the defender and then you know, outran the team all the way down to the one-yard line, 52-yard gain, I think it was. I mean, that's the kind of explosive plays that Duke has to have and that they didn't have a lot really last year. They gave up a lot of explosive plays to defense, but 
but the offense needs them. And we saw them again last week. Uh, they weren't all Jordan. He caught the one touchdown pass. But, you know, Eli Pancol had the big 81-yard catch where he uh, out-wrestled a, defend, uh, a Northwestern defender for the ball. And he was actually held on the play, and they called a flag on Northwestern. He caught the ball anyway and gained 81 yards. So that tells you the toughness they're showing now. We haven't seen the number of drops that we had recently in recent seasons. Um, I have to say that, you know, uh, the guys did a lot of hard work in the offseason. And they have a new coaching staff that's that's coaching them and and showing them new techniques and things. I mean, so far, all this stuff is is working. It's good stuff to see so far from those pass catchers for Duke. And uh, like you're saying, if you don't have drops, that's another thing that it's like, we're not going to say as much about these wide receivers because there's nothing negative to sort of uh, discredit that group for. Let's talk defense. we got to talk about the unit that Mike Elko takes a lot of pride in, and we'll do that in just a moment here on Locked on Blue Devils. Our show today is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports information this season. Find all the latest football league developments, game matchup, news, and podcasts. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sporting wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. The fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including Major League Baseball, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet online where the game starts. Back here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside my buddy Steve Wiseman from the Rally News and Observer. And Steve, talking about what you do, your work, what have been some of the recent stories that you've been working on? Yeah, you know, we're, we're covering this football team, uh, you know, which is off such a great start like we talked about. I was up in Northwestern last weekend, um, got to talk to Brandon Johnson and Jalen Stinson after that game, after their – we're going to talk about the defense here, but those are the guys that that uh, made the big plays late in that game. Uh, Stinson forced the fumble on Evan Hall at the goal line. Brandon Johnson jumped on it. Johnson had an uh, interception right before that, the drive before, so uh, really helped save the game. And uh, just trying to tell the stories of these – these guys and, and what they've learned from the new staff. I mean, those are some of the coverage we've had, you know, of them and we'll have some more this week and then going into the Kansas game next week as well. And then also, you know, uh, basketball is going to start uh, pretty soon here on, uh, on the 26th of September is the first practice. So, um, uh, you know, I've got some stories coming up. I was able to talk to some players, Jacob Grandison, to talk to him uh, after a practice recently, Kyle Filipowski, Derek Lively, uh, everybody's worried about Derek Whitehead and his, uh, his uh, foot injury, uh, which he's been out for a little bit, but he's he's still in a walking boot, but he is walking around on it, so that's a good sign. So anyway, uh, we're going to have some basketball coverage here leading into the start of practice, and maybe a story we worked on with with one of our interns also about John Shire and his recruiting prowess and what's made him so good uh, so quickly. I think uh, you can't argue with the results. Yeah. <laughs> boy, oh boy, he has been uh, fun to watch out there on the recruiting trail, that's for sure. And, and yeah, yeah we're, we're counting down the days at this point until – uh, basketball games are being played. You mentioned here at the end of September practice starting, countdown to craziness in October, and uh, before you know it, we'll be talking about yet another Duke men's basketball season. So football specifically, and on that defensive end, you mentioned a couple of guys there in the secondary that made some big plays. And what fascinated me so much, and I've talked about this a lot this week on Locked On Blue Devils, Steve, is that Ryan Holinsky at quarterback for Northwestern attempted 60 passes through the year on Saturday. The most he had ever attempted last year was 39. So 20 plus more than what he did a season ago. That defense, that secondary was tested the entire game. 
they were, and you know, uh, you know, they didn't they didn't always win, right? They had some penalties on big third down penalties, some pass interference calls. Uh, they give up some chunk plays, uh, but you know, when you're when you're put in that position so often, I mean, the law of averages, you're going to give up some, right? right? You just, um, but they again, they made the plays when they had to. Um, a couple of times, Northwestern got down the hill into a field goal or a field goal attempt that missed when they could have taken it in when they got in, you know, inside the twenty in the red zone. Um, you know, Jalen Stinson in particular tackled really well in that game. He, I mean, as a safety, he helped out in the. They stopped Northwestern's running game quite a bit. They only averaged a couple of yards a carry, and uh, that was a huge part of Duke winning. That's why Northwestern had to th- throw the ball so much because they couldn't run the ball. And so you made them kind of one-dimensional. That's how you end up winning the game. So, um, yeah, they, they were tested a lot, and, and they've got work to do. I mean, Darius Joyner, transferred from Western Illinois, had 142 tackles last year, 142 tackles in 11 games uh, at Western. Uh, and so he came in and had 14, you know, 15 tackles against Northwestern. Um, but he, you know, was out of position on some. They had some alignment problems that allowed some guys to get open. There's still a lot of work to do there. This is still a group that gave up 500 yards a game last year, and they gave up 500 yards to Northwestern. But again, it's that extra effort they're giving now. The um, when 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 Hull's about to score that touchdown to you know give him a chance to tie the game in the final seconds, Joiner and and uh, uh, and Stinson got there to stop him. They they kept playing to the whistle. They they knocked the ball out. Brandon Johnson falls on it. When if Northwestern player could fall on the end zone too, but. That little extra effort we're seeing that maybe we didn't see last year when things started really snowballing out of control, that's the difference right now for that entire defense. Pretty fun to see what they've been able to do on that back end again. And and new names stepping up, right? Not necessarily names that we're accustomed to seeing. We we have more familiar names in that front seven that we've been used to. And with that in mind, we've now seen eight quarters of football for Duke defensively this season. How would you assess the play of the front seven? Yeah, I mean, they've been good. They've been um, really good at, at some points. And then other times, you know, uh, some lacking in in, uh, uh, in pass coverage, particularly right. at the linebacker position. Right. That's how Evan Hole got open so much to have no 213 yards no of receiving. So that's some that's some alignment stuff that, again, they're still working through. They're still, they're still teaching. They're still coaching. Uh, again, you know, this is a group that wasn't very good last year, so there's – there's a ceiling they're going to reach probably, right? But but they've gotten a lot better. And up front, you know, they're getting a good push. Dwayne Carter, we knew was going to be good. He's been exceptional in the middle. Uh, RJ Oban at one of the one of the defensive ends. Uh, the freshman, BJ Anthony, a true freshman. Uh, he started both games. He only played about 20 snaps last week, but they're starting to get, get him used to things. But he he had a a, a, a pass, pass deflection at the line of scrimmage, showing his athleticism. Those are uh, – Jamie and Franklin is one that we're right. talking about too. He's really come on and played well. He big time you know, Elko, on Saturday. Yeah. Yes. Elko recruited him to Notre Dame. Okay. Think about that. Way back when he was in high school. And then Elko left Notre Dame to go to AM and never got to coach Jamie. So now he gets to coach him again. How about yeah. that? Elko's full circle. <laughs> and Jamie is really playing well for him. So yeah, they have a lot, they have a lot of bodies up front. They're rotating them in and out, trying to keep everybody fresh, watching those snap counts. It's going to make it better as the season goes on. Yeah, and you're definitely going to be able to watch some snap counts on Saturday for the game against North Carolina A&T, given that it is an FCS opponent, a smaller school, a smaller opponent that Duke should win this football game. That's more opportunity 
for some of your younger guys to get to play. All right, we'll take one more timeout here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils and wrap up here in just a moment. Make sure that your second listen today is Locked On ACC. Go over and watch Locked On ACC as everyday host Candace Cooper and the local experts of Locked On, like myself, take you across the conference in 30 minutes. Big-time ACC games coming up this weekend, including Miami taking on Texas A&M. Can A&M, can the Aggies respond from their loss last week to Appalachian State? All that and more on today's episode of Locked on ACC. Go make that your second listen of the day. Final few moments here on today's episode of Locked on Blue Devils. J.J. Jackson alongside Steve Wiseman from the Raleigh News and Observer. Do you have any takeaways? Is there anything intriguing to you so far about the conference through the first two weeks of the season. We mentioned uh, Miami's got a big test this weekend in the first year of Mario Cristobal. Like, what are some of those other thoughts that you've been having, Steve, so far early in the season? Right. We, we've already seen uh, some better play in these these interconference games, right? Well, right. I know Pitt lost to Tennessee an overtime game. You know, they were competitive. And, um, but, you know, Duke's, Duke's claimed a couple of wins there. We're talking about that, um, you know, Carolina won at Appalachian State, which is yeah. now a big win, right? So <laughs> um, you can't discount that. They've gone yeah. on the road and won twice. I mean, yeah, no kidding. that's good. Uh, NC State's playing Texas Tech this weekend. That's going to be a big one for the conference. So, so far, I think that there was a lot of concern about the league after what happened last year uh, in some non-conference games. They've acquitted themselves pretty well. Uh, a couple of stumbles, you know, Virginia Tech and Old Dominion, that happens. But uh, for the most part – this league is, is 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 proven to be a pretty good league, and um, uh, I think it's going to be, be better thought of nationally than it was last year. Talking about this league and now transitioning over to the basketball side of things, this week we've seen the conference schedules come out. Everything is now in place for year one of John Shire. You look at the conference schedule as a whole for these teams, and sometimes, Steve, it's just hard to find, okay, what's noteworthy about the – like, shocker, you're going to play people in your conference – you know, and that North Carolina game for Duke is going to be the last game of the year before you go into the ACC tournament. A lot of the things you already know what to expect, uh, but what did, if anything, jumped out to you about Duke's schedule? Well, you know, now we know, like, where the league games slot into the non-conference right. schedule and all that, which is important because that first weekend of December when, you know, uh, well, Thanksgiving, Duke goes to, to Portland to play right. in the, the legacy tournament. Tough, tough trip, long trip home on a Sunday night of Thanksgiving weekend. Then they play Ohio State three days later at home in the Big Ten ACC. And now we know they have a conference game that weekend. That's against Boston College, which was, isn't going to be one of the better teams in the league, but it's a conference game. And then a few days later they play Iowa. And so we, we thought there was going to be a conference game in there. We didn't know who it was going to be against. Right. It could have easily been Virginia or, you know, Florida one State, of the better teams, teams in the conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wake Forest even, right? But uh, it was it was BC, which which makes it a little easier. But so now you can kind of slot out and look. Okay, this is what you know what they're, how they're going to be challenged here. Uh, three conference games in December before you turn the calendar to 2023, which is you know, that's a lot of conference games early, isn't it? Uh, and one of them is against Florida State, which will be one of the top teams in the league. Wake Forest won 25 games last year. Duke's got a road game there. Right before Christmas on December twentieth, watch out! I call that a trap game because that's one they yeah. might get away from if you're not paying, you know, paying attention to what you need to do. So those jumped out. One more thing I want to mention is that um, they play Carolina at home on February fourth, and they have put turnaround to play Big Monday at Miami on the sixth. Watch for that trip. That's going to be 
let's go test them because yeah. it's always tough. Last year, Duke lost to Virginia at home on a big Monday after beating Carolina on the road. And then now they have a road trip, you know, to go down to Miami and makes it even harder. So those are some things that jumped out to me. It's all about the TV product in a lot of these, right? And and the quick turnarounds that you see in conferences. The ACC uh, doesn't have an opening to play Thursday night conference games, so you don't see that Thursday to Saturday jump in particular. We always are so uh, worrisome about what you're saying, the big Monday slots. You play Saturday, and then what are you doing literally two days later on Monday? And so, yeah, playing at home against the Tar Heels, and then the next thing you know, you're down in Miami taking on uh, Jim Laranega and that Miami team is, is they're going to have uh, a lot of guys. They made a big run to the Sweet 16 this past season and on to. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's it. They've been, they actually, they lost to Kansas in the, in the regional and final. Late. You're right. You're yeah. right. So, I mean, that's, you know, there's, these are two, two of the top teams. You play in Carolina, which was in the final four with you. Then you play in Miami, which was yeah. the lead eight with you, right? So, uh, and Duke's obviously a, a major draw for TV. They're on Big Monday three times, which is the maximum any team can be on. So, of course, they're going to be on there. So they have those challenges are just part of being a Duke basketball player. But yet, they are challenges, and they're going to have to overcome them to to have the kind of season they want. Uh, Derek Whitehead's injury is obviously significant this time of year, uh, and obviously, as as we said, we're counting down the days, uh, ten or so away from the start of practice for the Duke men's basketball team. What else is significant about this time period for the squad as they get set for another season? Yeah, you know they're, they're they are they are allowed to have some practices before they start full practice. You know, right. little four-hour workouts here there during the week. So uh, they're they're getting to know uh, each other as teammates, and uh, of course everybody's new, right? <laughs> Except for uh, Jeremy Roach is really the only player back that played at all last year, besides some right. walk-ons. So um, everybody's you know they're getting used to to being around each other, knowing what each other need, and and learning how to how to play for Coach Shire and and what he does differently than Coach K. We're gonna see how that goes as things get going. But, uh, you know, Whitehead, I think I'll be surprised if he's full speed, you know, as a start of practice because uh, he just had surgery just a couple of weeks ago and it wasn't a clean break. It was more like a little, little crack or something like that at a bone. So, um, but they'll take it easy with him. There's no need to rush him. He's got, he's going to be a lottery pick next year. So, you know, you don't want to mess that up. They certainly are going to mess that up. So th- those are the things I want to watch for, but you don't want Whitehead to be, out too far into things because as we saw a few years ago, Jason Tatum was hurt in the preseason, right? Marquise Bolden, remember those, remember that team? And they had trouble finding finding their stride because they, they were so uh, limited at the start. So we just talked to one guy right now, Whitehead, but I, I think they want to get him going sometime in October and get him ready to play. So those are the things I'm going to watch for early in the season. Steve Wiseman here with me on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils from the Raleigh News and Observer and the Durham Herald Sun. And Steve, as we start to wrap up, did want to give uh, a bit of a shout out and, and some plug to what's going on right now in the state of North Carolina in our industry. I saw the story earlier this week uh, from the Raleigh News and Observer and from the Charlotte Hornets Foundation folks in the journalism field in the industry. Rick Brownell, uh, there's now a scholarship that's available for folks uh, that are currently at a university or college in the state of North Carolina. What can you tell me here? Yeah, it's just a fantastic thing that the Hornets uh, have funded. It's $10,000 scholarship. This is the second year they've done it. You know, Rick passed away in May of 2021. Uh, he was the longtime NBA beat writer for the, for the Charlotte Observer. I was fortunate enough when I was a young writer to, to, uh, to work at Charlotte and to get to know Rick and he became a, a close friend over the years. He helped me out many times in my career. 
uh, you know, helping me get along to, to, to be able to have a job like this, frankly. And uh, he's done that with many writers over, the, over, his, over his life. And he's sorely missed uh, as a friend, as a colleague, as a journalist. Um, you know, I miss him all the time. And uh, so the fact that, that this scholarship goes to a, a young reporter, he would be thrilled. He's somewhere smiling about this and loving that it's going to help out a young writer and kind of help the next generation get going with his career. And we know in this industry, much like every other or many other industries, schooling is so important. And we also know kind of how expensive those things can be. So, yeah, this is absolutely a, a wonderful thing that the Charlotte Hornets Foundation is doing. And just knowing your perspective and like you said, the experiences that you were able to share with Rick. And thank you for touching on that for sure. Steve, as always, it's so much fun to have you here on Lockdown Blue Devils. Remind folks where they can read your work and follow you. Yeah, uh, the Raleigh News and Observer website is at newsobserver.com uh, or the Durham Herald Sun is at Herald Sun. Uh, you can find it there. You see my, I see you have my Twitter handle on my, uh, on my cry on there. So thank you very much for that. I'm always tweeting uh, when I'm at Duke football games or Duke basketball games and I go to most if not all of them. So uh, a lot of time on the road, getting ready to go to Kansas next weekend for the big game, uh, a big game with Duke and Kansas in football. How wow. about that? Who would have thought? <laughs> That's right. And you got a you got a big Duke Kansas basketball game a little bit later this year as well. The That's right. We're going to see a lot of Blue Devils and Jayhawks uh, going it's out. Fine. In, it's in good stuff. Good That's stuff. right. Steve, thanks so much for being on the show today. We'll talk soon. Thank you, JJ. Thanks for having me on. That is Steve Wiseman from the Rally News and Observer, and he's joining us here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils. Thanks again for your support. Please be sure to uh, follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Like and subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts. If you're on Apple, we would love for you to give us a five-star rating and review. The written algorithms, they love it so much. They're at Apple. Nate Rob 1380 left us a five-star review recently. I appreciate the consistent content that you provide us on your podcast, JJ. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for that. Jake and Durham saying thanks for all the hard work. Very good to have regular updates and interesting interviews. If you want a five-star Friday shout-out, that's all you got to do is leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Go support Steve Wiseman and what he's doing there at the Raleigh News and Observer and come back with us next week as we talk about Duke's football game against North Carolina A&T. Until next time, I'm JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day. Good day.